Welcome to the Lord's Podcast with Will Rowe. Well, a very warm welcome to this month's podcast. I'm delighted to be joined by Surrey all-rounder Zafar Ansari and the new UK editor of ESPN Crick Info, Andrew Miller. Welcome both. How are we? Very well, thanks. Can't complain at all. Lovely to be here at Lord's. We've got Yorkshire playing in the background against Middlesex. Uh, well, champion or well, county champions now. Um, got loads to discuss on the podcast today as we look ahead to England's tour to Pakistan. The Royal London One Day Cup final between Gloucestershire and Surrey and the fallout from the Ben Stokes obstructing the ball incident. As well as all this, I'll be putting my guests to the test with the Lords podcast quiz. But first, it's been a special week at Lords as Yorkshire were crowned county champions at the home of cricket, becoming the first side to win the county championship here since Middlesex in 1993. Well, I caught up with Yorkshire head coach Jason Gillespie this morning and started off by asking him how proud he was of the side for winning back-to-back titles. I'm incredibly proud of the team. Um, you know, we spoke this time last year, we'd beat Nottinghamshire at Trent Bridge, and you know the lads had sat around the dressing room, talked about winning that title, and how they wanted to win another one, not just be you know, one-hit wonders, so to speak. And, and at the time, you know, it's easy to think, well, you know what, we've just, we've just won. It's easy to say, ah, oh, I'm going to win it again. Yeah, we want to win it again. But, you know, as a, as a coach, uh, you, you think, okay, well, that, that's brilliant. And I love the attitude. But what specifically am I going to see um, to allow me to believe that the lads are serious about backing it up? And thankfully, I've seen it. I've seen the work they've put in. I've observed their attitudes. Um, you know, they've basically they've backed up their words with actions. Uh, so I look. Uh, I I just can't speak highly enough of these players. They're, they're a brilliant bunch of people, first and foremost. Fantastic cricketers, and to see them living their dream and having some success on the ground um, is is delightful. Um, so, as a as a member of the support staff, I think it's just brilliant, and you know I'm, I can't speak highly enough of these players. They're just a, a great bunch of people, and um, at completely delighted for them. At the beginning of the season um, you had six players on England duty. Now everyone has been talking about the strength and depth that Yorkshire have had. Mm. How have you managed to sort of develop such strength and depth at the county? It's a good question. I don't know who, how I could answer that. Um, empowering players is, is a big one. Um, we knew we were going to miss some players. Um, through England selection. We knew that our captain, for reasons known only to the ECB, uh, he was suspended. Um, so we knew that uh, we were going to have at least seven out. And then Ryan Sidebottom hurt his calf in the first game. So essentially, that's eight players out. But I think it was, I'm, I'm big on empowering players and, and giving them responsibility. One big thing with our young players that have come into the side, 
I've made it very, very clear to them. They're not here to make up numbers. They're not here for experience. They're picked because they're good enough and they're picked because they're required to do a job. And you know, there's no honeymoon period. And if you get picked to the first team at Yorkshire, you're expected to pull your weight and do your job. And you're judged on your results. And I think that's how it has to be. You, know, you have to be judged on your output. Um, you know, I don't, I don't care how old you are, whether you're 17 or you're 37. You are judged on your output. And for me, I think that's how it has to be. Jason Gillespie there, um, talking about Yorkshire winning their second back-to-back title. Well, back-to-back title. Zaf, um, talking about the youth there, the experience, empowering players... Just how good have Yorkshire been this season? I mean, yeah, it's difficult to tell from Division Two sometimes. The sort of the sort of cricket that you know, these Division One sides are playing, but you know, I, I got a little taste of it in in the UAE in in March, and you could just tell, you know, right at the beginning of the season, what a quality kind of outfit they were in terms of that depth that that Jason was discussing. Um, you know, I, I think they lead it with their bowling attack, and and you look at kind of the best sides historically and I think at the moment as well and it's having the ability to take 20 wickets which seems to um, you know win you games and therefore win you titles and, and they've done that this year and I think while they can keep that group of bowlers together they're going to be you know difficult to beat for a long time and, is, and yourself Andrew is that you know the, the bowling attack is extremely strong and they've had batsmen going into the England side do you think they can win a third title on the bounce I certainly do. There's absolutely no reason to believe they can't simply because of that that depth. I mean, I was up at uh, Warwickshire um, earlier in the season watching watching their their match in which they were given a really rough ride in the first morning under overcast skies. Uh, Johnny Bairstow in the middle of the prime form scored a brilliant hundred out of about two hundred and ten. Without him, they might have been all out for for sixty odd. And lo and behold, what happens? Warwickshire all out for sixty odd, and Ryan Sidebottom comes steaming in with that left arm line. I mean, he's thirty-seven now, but you know he knows his game inside out now. I mean, he's—I don't think he's ever bowled better, not even when he was bowling for England. You know, honestly, in a game here at Lords the other morning, naught for three in the in on, on Championship dis, dis, decision day. It's um, these guys. Uh, you know, his his experience, and then the youth of the, the guys coming through the system. I mean, I was again Jack Leaning and, and Will Rhodes, people like that. 20, 21 year olds who are treated as equals to, to, to guys of, of, of great and, and huge experience such as Sidebottom who's now got five championships it's a great testament to, to the diversity and the strength that they've, they've managed to, to, to latch onto and um, yes, so in answer to your question absolutely, they've got to go in next season as favourites because they are streets there, they've lost one game in two years and Zaf, you'll be you'll be playing them next season. I'd yeah. like to congratulate yourselves and on, on getting into the uh, first division again. How how's how's the mood in the camp? Um, very positive, as you can imagine. I think you know this season has exceeded expectations in a lot in a lot of ways. Um, mainly in the way in which we've kind of played our cricket and and the people who've, who've been putting in the performances. Um, you know, it's kind of been driven, I would say, by a core of relatively young. Um, Players who, who, perhaps uh, were seen as having potential, but but with you know, without necessarily the production that, that you need, um, and that's happened. So, you know, one day stuff is also I think just just added a little bit to it because we've been consistent in a way that previously 
we, we hadn't been. So, yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's a nice place to be playing cricket at the moment. Um, and I think the prospects moving forward are relatively good. And so you kind of, you can, you can almost feel slightly more secure in that, in that feeling. Yeah. And I think Jason Gillespie was talking about empowering the youth there and mm. noticed that Surrey this season, um, we'll come on to the, the Royal London One Day Cup final in a moment, but Sam Curran, 17 mm. years of age, um, Gareth Batty quite happy to throw him the ball and let him open the bowling and, yeah. you know, part of your sorry youth setup is you're now moving more towards that I guess yeah I think you know he's he's a, an example where obviously his age and everything but he almost came as a fr- finished product it felt at least the, the first time I faced him in the net he got I think he got me out you know within a few balls <laughs> and he it wasn't as if um I mean I'm sure he's developed at Surrey but he was doing things obviously when he was much younger which were enabling him to be so good at 17. I would also say though that you know you look at our team and there have been some stalwarts in there, like just Steve Davies, um, obviously Kumar Sangakara this year. Gareth Batty has, has bowled very well and you know led the side well. And I think uh, you can't get away from the fact that there are you know people who are probably in the prime of their career to some extent who are holding these things together and, and allowing players like myself, like um, you know Tom Curran, Rory Burns, maybe to be inconsistent at times um, because of that kind of backbone. Learn your trade exactly. Do you feel that Surrey, not the weight of history, that might not be the right word, but the history of the club? I mean, I was doing the research before the podcast. You won seven championships in a row. It's the record. Mm. Um, Yorkshire will obviously aim for a third in a row next year. Um, does does the history ever get to the players there? Um, I think it's something they're trying, trying to develop, probably you know, on the back of Yorkshire's success and, and the way that it appears that Yorkshire think about Yorkshire and Yorkshire Cricket Club and... You know, in, in a kind of an era of money and professionalism and so on, it's difficult to connect yourself to the history of a place because, you know, people are trying to earn money and people are trying to make a living and, and those sorts of things take, generally take precedence. And so, um, you know, it hasn't been a an over, particularly overt process, but I think um, there is a move to, to reconnect the players with the club um, without obviously putting... You know, seven titles is, is ridiculous, and so you don't want to kind of you don't want to you know jump too far. Yeah. And strong, strong Yorkshire, strong England. We've heard that one said many a time. <laughs> <We just. laughs> but uh, Gillespie there was talking about at the beginning of the season. They had eight players out, six on England duty. Yet still, people talk about their strength in depth, which is quite astonishing. It's extraordinary. I mean, I, in fact, in seven, it, it turns out there were seven players who, who played for England, and and I, I'd forgotten the seventh. Uh, Zaffa probably wouldn't forget him because it was Tim Bresnan I put mm. over in Malahide. Mm. So you know these these guys who keep getting called up at various stages of the season. Um, and it's not just any old players as well. Obviously, they're going to be good players when they're playing for England. But it's the variety of different players. You know, you get the best batsman in the country, Joe Root, being called up. You get the most informed batsman, Johnny Bairstow, and a wicketkeeper too. You get a spin bowler, Nabil Rashid. You get the quickest bowler in the country in the, on, on occasions. And, and you know, they, they, this just adds up. Just to, um, just to, it's so incredible how you can lose so many different facets of your team, and yet still have enough depth to, to say yeah whatever well, we'll be fine <laughs> yeah. and and they yeah. keep doing it it's a conveyor belt of uh, young Yorkshire prospects well talking about England and the amount of players that Yorkshire have managed to get into that England side would I'd like to talk about the um 
well, Pakistan in the UAE. It's coming up following the One Day International series here between England and Australia. England's head over to the UAE for a three-match test series against Pakistan in October. The sounds of lords during the podcast there. Um, that's followed by four One Day Internationals and three T20s. I'd like to bring a question in from Twitter here, from Sporty Talky Lad. Um, do you feel, this is directed to you, Zaf, um, your recent performances warrant a place in the England squad? Um, I think with that you have to you know, take those performances within the context of county cricket as it is and, and the kind of the, the players that are, are available. I think in certain eras and at certain times, no, they wouldn't have <laughs> merited it. Um, and, and I think, you know, and there's still a case to be made for that. At the same time, if if there is a you know a desire to take three spinners um, and you know someone who can who can offer you know who can bat as well, then and and also you think of the third spinner, perhaps you know might not play and therefore is is there to some extent as a you know to gain experience and so on. Then you know I my my bowling this year has been has been pretty consistent. Um, pitches have been helpful, but to take forty four championship wickets so far has, yeah. has been. You know, has, has exceeded where I thought I'd be. Um, yeah, the weight of runs ha- hasn't been there, um, but it, but similarly, I've opened the batting and kind of done fairly well. And so I think it, it's one of those things where you kind of obviously the decision is not in your hands. Um, you just have to kind of accept what what comes your way. But I feel like you know, yes and no. Yeah, not to give them <laughs> <laughs> not to sit on the fence. Yeah. Um, Andrew, sh- should Zaf be England's third spinner out there? Because we know that Moen Ali is going to go, and we're pretty sure that Adil Rashid will go. The UAE turning pitches against yeah. Pakistan. Well, indeed. I mean, you know, the the weight of wickets is clearly there, I, I, and clearly the, the 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 promise for the future is there. I mean, you could also argue, and I would I, I would argue, having spoken to various spinners in in recent times, that. Um, a lot of spinners come into their prime later on in their career so perhaps there is also a case to say that if you're going to take two well Moeen and, and a young spinner in, in Rashid maybe it would make more sense to take a, an experienced guy mm. like perhaps Gareth Batty someone someone who's actually been around the block a bit in the going out to conditions where you know that at some stage you're, you're probably going to encounter a pitch where you may need two spinners would it make sense to have someone you can absolutely just 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 be a go-to man just as Sean Udall did did in in India uh, several years ago in 2006, he came out, got four wickets in a vital um, vital I think it was India with 99 all out in England square the series. I mean, it, it's moments like that where you can just just lean on a man and Batty has you know he played for England 10 years ago and um, he's he, you know he's, he's he's got the credentials I think that that may be the other way to go. It's just whether England yeah. choose horses for courses. That's, that's, uh, well, that's and I would be you know I would think that that would that would be a very Realistic and sen- you know sensible thing to do as well. I, I you know having seen Gareth bowl throughout the season and throughout the last couple of seasons as well. I think he's he would what he would say that he's bowling as well as he ever has done um, in terms of spin bowling and and what that kind of entails. And you know I think there is a, a strong case to be made for taking you know this is a, as I say horses of course this is a, a one off contained sort of series and you might as well take the three best spinners and. The- and if, that decision is. Yeah. Of course, on the on flip side of that, though, and again, horses, of course, is up. My my um, pick for opening batsman for this series will probably be Moeen Ali. I think yeah. he, I think in in those conditions, sticking Ali up top, you know, where the, where the ball, you know, you take advantage of the hardness of the new ball in 
in in subcontinent obviously not subcontinent the UAE but you know what I mean yeah. so a guy who can you know the languid stroke player that he that he produced in one day cricket might actually be quite a useful guy to have up top of the order and I would probably think maybe you you you'd choose someone more hardened maybe the man who's scoring hundred out there Nick Compton for somewhere tougher like South Africa where you're going to get Stain and Morkles charging in so again it's it, it it's a really tricky one England haven't got a settled opener at the moment so therefore. A guy who's been opening opening the batting and can also spin it such as Zaf might actually be a sensible guy to take as a backup if you're going that type of horse. Of course, it, it, the trouble is there's so many, so much Test cricket at the moment, so many different conditions that England need to face. It's you know, it's on the one hand you want to have a settled squad. On the other hand, I do think you have to be pragmatic in your decision making at the moment. And the the two the two series coming up, I think, are going to be very different in in uh, in character. And yet they're going to be almost back to back. So um, yeah, lots of lots of interesting decisions. And uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to be a selector. The only thing I'd I'd add, Dan, not to kind of push myself down too much, <laughs> but um, you know, I haven't I haven't done enough as a batsman. Clearly, I think to warrant being a, a test owner at the moment. And you know, in terms of making decisions that are reflective of how people are playing and decisions that are going to be productive for the players themselves. You know, it, an awareness of just because I've opened the batting and been all right at it doesn't mean to say that I'm ready to open the batting in yeah. you know Test cricket at the moment. And there are you know, a lot of people who I think would be dis like rightly disappointed if that yeah. was to be the case. So it's just um, you know being it's honest about these things. Yeah. Absolutely, it's interesting that you talk about opening the batting because uh, we're going to bring in some more Twitter questions now, yeah. and one of those is uh, directly about your batting position. So um, firstly, I'd like to say many thanks to everyone that tweeted in uh, with hashtag AskZaf. Um, so Zaf, uh, in fact, I'll find that question for you. It's from Frankie T on Twitter. He says, what is your preferred batting position? Because of course, for Surrey, you open the county championship yeah. in the in the um, one day stuff, you bat a bit lower down the yeah. order. I mean, you know, interestingly, I scored my first 100 last year batting six um also last last week bat batting six so <laughs> kind of my from my the recent memory batting six seems like a you know a productive uh, enjoyable place to bat and you know it's something that i'm used to in, in one day cricket and i think perhaps suits you know, at six you have to play the situation and you have to you know you play a lot of more spin bowling and, and it's a it's a you know and possibly the second new ball and i think that there are you know, five or six is, is somewhere that would probably suit me quite well, given how much I've bowled this year and how much bowling has kind of become part of my game. Having said that, I mean, I for a long time, if I'd been asked where I wanted to bat, I would have said that I want to open. Yeah. Because I enjoy, um, I think I'm well suited in terms of the, the way I actually play technically to to open the batting. Um, I don't like waiting particularly to go into bat, so it's, it's a nice way of having to deal with that problem. Um, and yeah so it, again it's, it's difficult but you know I think as the future goes on I think I'll probably move down the order next question from the M words at what age did you start playing and when did you know you were serious about it um, I started playing when I was pretty young probably six or seven um, because my, my, I have an, an older brother who was playing cricket and you go and kind of follow him and my dad played a bit of cricket as well so then and I think I was identified quite young as being good, um, you know, and then it maybe I tailed off a bit. So I was probably it got serious quite young, eleven or twelve, um, but you know, it got, it got properly serious at probably 
17, 18, when you kind of get to that business end point, contracts are given and stuff. Next question sort of flows quite nicely from that answer. It's from Duncan Ballantyne, <laughs> not to be uh, mistaken for someone else. Um, was it easy to pick cricket over rugby? If I remember from school, you weren't bad at rugby either. I don't know if you know Duncan or yeah, remember Yeah, I think he was at my, not Hampton, but it's going to the pool now when I was much younger. Um, it, it was quite easy. I mean, I, I was decent at rugby, but I probably wasn't big enough and... Um, you can't really go to university and play rugby particularly easily um, or professional rugby just because of the, the way that the kind of timetables clash. So cricket fitted well with the, you know, university was always the thing I was going to do and then it was what fitted around that and, and cricket fitted around that better than rugby. Which brings us nicely into our next question. <laughs> yeah, okay. How competitive are the Cambridge University team and did it help your development to play for them? That one's from Will Graham. So, yeah, you, you spent three years at Cambridge and played for the Cambridge MCC University scheme. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a, a good side that I was involved in there. I would compare it to probably a second-team county sort of team. There's some players who played unicorns cricket and so on. You know, it was a competitive setup. It was a nice place to be kind of developing and training and stuff. Um, what was the second half? Second half was, did it help your development? Yeah, well, it did. Clearly. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it didn't, you know, stunt it enough to mean that when I went back to Surrey each year, I was too far behind the pace. Um, you got to play the, the first class games, and in some ways, they probably accelerated my development because I played against Surrey and took wickets. So um, it, was a, it was a positive experience for me. Next two questions I'd like to roll into one. So Blue Eyed Rascal has said, who has been your inspiration in cricket? And Cameron on Twitter said, who's been your biggest role model in your career? So very similar questions. Yeah. Um, my biggest inspiration, probably, I mean, I, only, I guess that's sort of a question for when you're a bit younger, maybe. And that was uh, Gary Sobers was probably the person that I thought of. And the other one was Wasim Akram. Um, I enjoyed his the way he bowled and everything. Um, in terms of role model, I don't know. It's, I, I haven't really, I don't really kind of try and emulate anyone um in terms of in terms of my, my play so i i would say there's, there's not really a name to put that so sobers and akram sobers and akram yeah not a bad two yeah <laughs> and uh, the final question it's not really a question it's more of an order um this is from asif adnan why aren't you on twitter fans want to follow you come on soon um because i don't i wouldn't feel comfortable posting on twitter anything that you know I felt I don't think that my opinion is worth the kind of you know if, if people want to hear what I have to say then then kind of talk to me but I, I, I find it difficult to convey something and feel comfortable doing that it works better in 10,000 word dissertation exactly <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you Andrew should modern sportsmen cricketers in particular should they be on Twitter is it, is it not just a, a load of hiccups Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. 
we're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Well, speaking as speaking as a journalist who who sits and waits for Kevin Peterson to, to fire off his latest erroneous message, then absolutely more the merrier. Um, speaking as um, someone who you know with the best interests of the game at heart, etc. Yes, I still think it's important. I still think that communication between player and fan is is vital, especially in this day and age where it's possibly not as simple just to rock up, and turn on the telly, and watch the game. It's nice to know that. That there are other ways to communicate with your heroes. If if you're a young kid who who happens to watch a player, is inspired by the player, and then follows the player, and the player converses with them on Twitter, brilliant. I mean, it, I don't I don't think there's any any necessarily any drawback. I think uh, as long as the players know where the lines are to be drawn and uh, how to how to communicate without uh, getting wound up by by the various people out there, then uh, bring brilliant, bring it on. Anything that brings players and fans together, I think it has to be a good thing. I think it's just trying to sort of straddle the divide between as you say you know cricket is a, a game for entertainment fans are going to be interested in, in what players are doing and, and kind of being accessible to that extent is I think is, is, is useful and it's, it's fun for people I think it's just trying to avoid the celebrification or whatever the, yeah. the over celebrityness of of being a cricketer and, and and generally I think that you don't want to build up um, necessarily the personality too much um, and, and think of or treat players as, as these personalities outside of the game I mean I play cricket and it's a job in the same way that you know you, you do a job in the same way that my parents do a job and obviously there's more to it than that but once that job has been done then who I am and, and what I think and what I do are, are separate to that and, and I just am uh, you quite like that head. divide exactly. so you sort of yeah you finish at the office and then you, you might go home read a book and do something yeah. else and, it, and, and, it's and not a lot of cricket, 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 cricket can yeah. build that into yeah. their, their use of Twitter and you know like you take there are lots of examples Steve Davies you know, he's, he's a similar type of person in that way he has a very separate you know private life and, and cricketing life and, and he still uses Twitter but it's, you know, I'm just not confident in myself and to some extent in, in how I'd use it. Do, do you talk about it in Surrey? Do you have a decisions made inside the dressing room? Or, you know, um, does, does someone say, this is what we're going to do, we're not going to tweet about this? How does it how Yeah, does it, rare, I work? mean, rarely. There there's, hasn't been a huge, recently, many issues which have kind of required that don't, let's not go on social media about this. But it does happen, definitely. There are times when, um, just trying to think in terms of maybe a selection that hasn't been made or something like that. And, it's one of those where you, yeah, there is a, a text sent out saying don't um, tweet about this. I'm not trying to catch you out here, no, but no. when Kevin Peterson came this summer, yeah. there must have been, you must have, if, even if it wasn't talked about in an official manner, there must have been, let's not, I don't know, tweet too much about KP or 
what KP tweets enough himself. But mm. do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, yeah. If you're a player on Twitter, if you're one of the younger players, you, you maybe maybe it's slightly more guarded with things like that. Yeah, I think so. Again, because I'm not on Twitter, and I think because um, this is why you're not on Twitter, isn't yeah, it? Well, no, no, I mean, I don't think I'd talk about that anyway. But it's more that I think, yeah, because I think people know that I'm not going to be saying anything particularly interesting. They, um, I'm not the person probably that they go to. I think it's more of an individual thing that you know as you can take any of our, our players I imagine there are times when the Mark Church goes to him and says just don't just just lay off this one and, and I imagine Kevin Peterson related things you know about being in and out of the England team that was one of those things where you're just going to shoot yourself in the foot if you say yes or no to be honest and and again it's Twitter shouldn't be there to catch you know players out it shouldn't be there basically as a, like a, a tempter um, I mean and that's what it does and then so you it's right that people are guarded I think in that way Lovely, well now the final game of the season at Lords is the Royal London One Day Cup final which is here on Saturday the 19th of this month Gloucestershire who defeated Yorkshire in the semis take on Surrey who inched past Nottinghamshire in a breathtaking game as both sides look to finish 2015 on a high, Surrey are undoubtedly the favourites but as we know in sport anything can happen Zaf, what's the mood like in the camp? Um, we haven't. I mean, there's not been a huge amount of discussion about the final. We've played Gloucestershire once in the, you know, in twi- twice in the championship, once in the uh, the Royal one day cup, and um, I think we've well, we've beaten them twice and you know drawn drawn the other. So I think we feel that you know, given how consistent we've been in, in that competition, there's no need to really um, change anything. I think. They've got some very good players, and we will need to identify you know, how we're going to approach those players. Um, you know, Kling is the obvious example, but I think the the, the plan will to be do the same things. You know, do bat strong up top, um, bowl with intelligence, and I think if we can do those things, you know, we will play on a good wicket here at Lords. Then, then hopefully, you know, the, the result will take care of itself. Another question from Twitter. G. Krishan says, how much has Surrey benefited, uh, benefited sorry, from Kumar Sangakara this season? And personally, what have you picked up from him? I mean, we've benefited a lot, obviously, in terms of his weight of runs, in terms of his um, you know, presence as a, an experienced cricketer. So you know, it's kind of self-explanatory that you will. Um, and and he's, he's, a, he's a good character. He's, you know, he, is, he comes with a reputation and he lives up to it and exceeds it. Um, in terms of what I've picked up from is there's n- not been you know one batting tip or one kind of psychological tip or whatever. It's more just uh, the kind of everyday stuff. So you know in the field he's very quick to come with a suggestion. Um, I think I think it's more I guess observing someone like that and seeing how um, relaxed they are and how much kind of perspective they bring to their cricket and, and trying to just replicate that. Obviously he's got a weight of runs behind him which some extent allows him to have that kind of clarity and perspective but um, you know it was the same with Hashim Amla it's been the same with, with various um, overseas players we've had it, it's that it's that approach to the game which I think is something that if you can if you can get something out of that then, you, then you're doing well Andrew to, to watch Sangakara that 166 he scored in that semi-final against Nottinghamshire 
That was wonderful, wasn't it? He is incredible. The one thing I've always admired and loved about watching Sangukara is how how fallible he can look right at the start of his innings. You know, he, he may take ages to find his find his range, but you always know that he's not going to lose his his composure. He, he, you know, he'll he'll wait for his moment, and suddenly it may be a cover drive, maybe something something will click, and he's like, right, okay, I'm in there. And off he goes, and you know, he, he, he it is 166 and one three eight balls in the end. I mean, it's absolutely flying, but it wasn't flying in the way that David Warner might fly. But but it ultimately the same effect at the end is this utterly graceful batsman who's found the found the means to get through the conditions, and he he's done that throughout his career in every single form of the game, and uh, it's admirable. And and what I also love about it is the fact he's he's leaving at the right time as well you know he's stepped out from test cricket where people wanted more from him you know why are you going now you're in the form of your life so you know what I'm, I'm just I'm just done with this now it's it, it's great to see a man who's who's just utterly serene with everything he's achieved in the game and, um, and yet still hungry to to keep pushing even even in the twilight of his career and it's interesting the way you say he does watching him I think there's a piece of commentary by Mark Nicholas in which he said He's on 30, 40, 50, and you'd, you haven't really noticed. He's mm. just accumulated very gracefully. And the other thing which I thought was wonderful about that um, semi-final at the Oval was he scored his 166, and he just walked out and stood at first slip. <laughs> 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 you see it in club cricket, every cricket. I'll just stand here, right, yeah. <laughs> You guys do the rest. Um, well, there's also Grant Jones uh, for Gloucestershire. It, it, it will be his final game, and it could be a sort of a... a fairy tale story for him so there's there's plenty from that Royal London One Day Cup final here at Lords and quick ticket plug there's still tickets available so um, yeah just go to the Lords ticket website so, yeah, certainly on the, on, just on, on the subject of Gloucestershire again it, it, it's interesting to note um, well two things eh? the, 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 the success of second division teams in getting to the finals is the same with the with the final of the, of the T20s that second division sides have got to the final mm. obviously sorry they've also got promotion so, so but it just goes to show that teams are putting Certain eggs in certain baskets, and uh, I think well, you you trounced Gloucestershire by innings one hundred and eighty, didn't you, in the, in the championship yeah. this season? So it was a, you know, if you judge it on that on by that book, it's a, you know your clear favourites. But the way in which Gloucestershire have really come together in one day cricket is reminiscent of their their heyday around the turn of the millennium, with obviously Ian Harvey, um, big big kudos to him, his his role I think coming in as Richard Dawson's number two. Uh, I just I can imagine the sort of know-how that he brings to 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 their to their game again, and uh, it's similar to to sorry, similar to Yorkshire, they've got that that balance of of serious experience in Michael Klinger and Garant Jones, and then you know the the empowering of the youth, these, these guys like Chris Dent and Liam Norwood and guys like that who are who are really coming good. And it, it's great to see because you know Gloucestershire, one of those sides who perennially struggled in and you know often bringing up the rear in in in, in the championship in, at least, but. Uh, getting into the final is, is great to see for, for candy cricket. Well, let's hope for a wonderful final. Mm. Um, now, Ben Stokes was out in controversial fashion during the one-day international between England and Australia when he was given out obstructing the field. It was Law 37 that was breached as Mitchell Stark, fielding off his own bowling, hurled the ball back in the direction of the stumps and caught an unexpected Stokes off guard. He's out of his crease, turned his back towards the ball with an arm outstretched, stopped the ball in mid-flight... After a half-hearted appeal from Stark, the original not-out decision was reviewed by the third umpire and Stokes was deemed to have breached Law 37, obstructing the field. So was it out? <laughs> I mean, it was given out, but 
Well, was it the right decision? My initial reaction, and obviously speaking as a pom, I, I'll be going going up against the, the mighty Antipodean um, naysayers, but I thought it was not out for, for two reasons. Firstly, it happened so quickly, it, I don't believe it could be deemed as as deliberate. It was, it was it put his hand up because the ball's coming at him really rapidly. Secondly, I wasn't convinced it was going to hit the stumps. I mean, it, it, right. it was dipping late. It, yeah. You know, if, if Hawkeye had been on that, it would have it would have been a bail triller at best, in my opinion, which under the current provisions of Hawkeye is umpire's decision on the field stays if it only trims the bail. So it would have been interesting to see if the Hawkeye Hawkeye replay had come in to, to show what happened there. Would it would it have would it have been a, a full red or would it have been a, a, an orange? True, but I don't think under the law it doesn't have to have been hitting the stumps for, to be obstructing the field. No, fair enough, fair so enough. But, but equally kind of equally usually maybe. when it's when it's when it's obstructing the field, usually we're talking about, you know, High catch goes up and the, and you know you drop your shoulder and barge the fielder out of the way. It's it, it's usually and not <laughs> you say usually it doesn't happen very often, but usually I think it's more clear cut that there the batsman is at fault. And I don't think necessarily when a ball's been thrown at you at 100 miles an hour from close range, it's hard to claim the batsman's at fault for trying to get out of the way of it. Yeah, I mean I, I think the important word is deliberate. I think that's the, the wording. And we do have the law here. I think if you want to check, you know, it. understanding intention. It has been a kind of difficult philosophical question for you know hundreds of years, let alone um, in this case. And I think to to make a deliberate decision in that period of time is is something that, and, and to know that someone's made that deli- deliberate decision is, is almost impossible. And given that there's you know a valid reason to defend to to put your hand out in that situation, I think the benefit should have gone with with Stokes. Do you think Smith should have called him back? No. No. No, I, I think uh, having made the appeal, having you know, ap- appealed, having, um, if you know, that, that was my interpretation of it. I agree. If his interpretation was that he was deliberately doing it. And look, this is a competition. Like, they're, they're trying to win <laughs> a game of cricket. Yeah. I think it, it, that question gets asked, doesn't it? Well, you know, in the World Cup final, if, you, if the ball hit your bat and there were overthrows, would you run it or not? And it's kind of, well, it's almost, yeah, like, you're taking it too seriously mm. if you think that, you know, some sense of, in a way, some sense of morality should should overtake it. Exactly, and it? the point is they asked the question of the umpire and the umpire said, well, actually, yeah, that's out. <laughs> you know, it's not it's not their fault as, as appealers that the umpire has made what many people may deem the wrong decision. It's just like a, an LBW that's outside the line or takes an inside edge or a court behind that's not out. It's not the f- fault of the fielders for asking the questions, the fault of the umpire for getting the wrong answer. Okay, this in this instance, the wrong answer is a moot point because no one can give you a definitive answer. But if if the umpire had come back and said, you know what, I don't think that's out, no one would be talking about it anymore. So was Owen Morgan, as England captain, was he right to then say that Smith, or well, he would have done differently? There was well, an interesting yeah, piece by Jason Gillespie was, in The there? Guardian. Yeah. I read that. And where I, he I, said that Morgan was not acting in the spirit of cricket. <laughs> I think he's, got a, he's got a point. Yeah. He's got a point, and I think I think there is a fair fair point that you know yeah. you you don't argue the umpire's decision. That that I suppose is particularly true. I think in this day and age of 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 replays and and and, and uh, DRS etc., that the umpire's decision is emphatically final because you get second opinions on it. So for the for the but, opposition yeah. captain to start haranguing the umpire after the decision has been made is probably. I, I think probably what bit, Gillespie was saying was probably though that. Morgan, yeah, if, if having given him out, Morgan had then said, oh, sorry, and Morgan had been in Smith's situation, Smith had said, no, we're going to call you back, that would have 
been in breach of the spirit. I guess what Morgan was saying, which I think again he's entitled to say, is that he wouldn't have lodged the appeal in the first place. He once it once they'd seen the situation, they would have said, "We're not, not going to appeal this." Yeah. And and I think again Morgan is you know I think Morgan's totally entitled. You know if he doesn't feel that that is a genuine form of dismissal, why should you appeal? And and if you yeah, so I I, I think. There are lots of kind of yeah. complicating factors, but I don't think many people did much wrong, perhaps apart from the, the third umpire. Just to quickly finish on that, a lot of people have talked about the, the use of slow-mo replays in this, saying that it was wrong that the third umpire didn't watch it back in mm. real time. Mm. However, the, the counter-argument to that is that the whole point of a slow-motion replay is to show what you know the normal eye can't yeah. see. Mm. I think... I think though that the, the problem is what slow mo does to the question of intention, in some yeah. ways, or to the question of what's deliberate, and you know that that is the time aspect is central to the understanding of what yeah. when someone makes an intentional decision or not. If you you know if you burn your hand and you move your hand away, it's because it's hurt, and you're not making sort of an intentional. You're just it's a an instinctive response. Yeah. If you slow that down and you saw someone's hand get hurt and then move away once that kind of you know pain had been and caused. inadvertently flicks a cr- cricket ball as it's flying past yeah, the yeah. Air. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then uh then it, it becomes something else so i think the the temporal aspect is important and that's why i think that kind of question of it reminds me to a great. degree of a dismissal of Inzamamal hack a run-out dismissal in Faisalabad in 2005 uh when you're gonna have to narrow this yeah, down narrow down. About was, hack in, well, well this well this is the thing is it was an unusual run out because it was um it was a follow uh it was Stephen Harmson in his follow-through pinging down the stumps at high speed and Inzamam jumped out of the way and in doing so he got out of the way of the ball and allowed the ball to hit the stumps now the umpire interpreted that Inzamam had left his crease whereas actually he was taking evasive action but you know ultimately the decision was moot because it, you you could you could argue it either way it's 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 a flip of the coin sometimes when it comes to umpiring decisions and i think this this could so easily have been a flip in the other direction and as i said no one will be talking about it anymore just as no one will be talking about the inzamam shy that he that hit the stumps and he wasn't given out everyone still well people who were there still remember it because it was odd it seemed seemed out of keeping with with the with the, not so much the spirit, but just the, the, the speed at which the, the event had happened. Well, it certainly um, created some atmosphere at Lords that day. It got the crowd going, it also got Owen Morgan going, mm. so ended up um, what was quite a, a timid run chase became quite an, ex- well, an exciting one for the last 10 overs. Mm. Um, chaps, I'd like to finish now with the Lords podcast quiz. It's something we do every month on the podcast. Andrew, you'll be, well, fully familiar with this one. <laughs> Tudor gave me a schooling last time, so... Uh, um, <laughs> Zaffa, I'll, um, I'll explain the rules to you. Yeah, yeah. The rules are, I give you a cricketer and a non-cricketer, and all you have to do is tell me who is the oldest. So if you, oh, get, right, okay. so the, if you get that right, then you win a point. And you're up against each other, so um, yeah. you can say the same one if you're going to be very tactical, but uh, we'll see how we go. So it's the best of five. It's a proper series, this. Uh, Zaffa has his custom, uh, the cricketer always goes first. So, who is older, Kumar Sangakkara or Tour de France winning cyclist Bradley Wiggins? I'm going to say Kumar Sangakkara. Hmm. 
it's three years ago now, isn't it, for Bradley? But uh, yeah, I think it has to be. He's, he, Kumar's got some miles on miles on his legs, isn't he? Yeah, I'm I'm going to be tactical and go for the same. Very tactical. You both right. Kumar Sankara is indeed older. By I would have been bad if I got that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he'd be flattered. Was, well, yeah. <laughs> Andrew, who is older, Zafar Ansari or Miley Cyrus? Of course. Ooh. Right. Okay. So you're 23, I believe. Yeah, now then. No, Miley was a teeny bopper Disney queen about 10 years ago, wasn't she? So, gosh, I will say, I'll say Zaffa by, by a whisker. By a whisker. Zaffa. Well, I'll go for Miley Cyrus. Oh, well, Andrew, you take a 1-0 lead. You're a year older than Miley Cyrus. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> She's worth about 50. <laughs> um, Zaff, who is older? Garyan Jones? Or England's 2003 Rugby World Cup winner Johnny Wilkinson. Geraint Jones. Well, let's see. Johnny was Johnny was a whippersnapper in 2003. Geraint, I think, had a wasn't that young in 2004 when he made his debut. I'm gonna go Geraint. You're both correct. It remains 1-0. Oh, this is tense. <laughs> um, Andrew, who is older? Ryan Sidebottom or Angelina Jolie? Gosh. Well, Ryan Sidebottom <laughs> is 37. You've got a good knowledge of cricket's <laughs> ages. Yeah, mostly because almost, almost every cricketer who's of an age is the same age as me. It's <laughs> reached that stage where people are retiring and I'm the same age as them. Oh, God, I really am getting on. Um, anyway... Uh, back to the point, uh, Angelina Jolie. She, she actresses are always always older than they seem, aren't they? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Angelina Jolie. Mm, I'm also gonna go. Angelina Jolie. Oh, you, you're very good at this, chaps. <laughs> Sorry. Jolie. She is uh, three years older than Ryan Seacrest. Right, it's one nil to you, Andrew. Ooh. We've got one to play. This is probably my favourite one I've ever come up with. Uh, Zaf, who is older? Dickie Bird or Clint Eastwood? <laughs> <laughs> I would love those two to uh, meet for a cup of coffee. <laughs> I'm going to say um, Dickie Bird. I, I'm going to say in the spirit of Republican um, presidential <laughs> candidates, he's probably about 90, so I'm going to go Clint Eastwood. It is indeed Clint Eastwood. Is it? Wow, there you go. Clint Eastwood is three years older than Dickie Bird. He's 85. Clint wow, Eastwood. he's got right. some Mars and Mars. He only just directed films last yeah. year in the American Sniper. He's still going strong. So, yeah, yeah it's incredible scenes. That's old. Yeah. There you go. Still, still working hard. Um, well, many thanks for playing that. Well done, Andrew. Um, Saf, what, what have you got coming up in the next? Well, you've got a game against Lancashire and then yeah. the, the final here. Yeah, yeah, we've two more championship matches and, and the final here. I think, you know, it's, it's a nice time to be playing cricket because the promotion's guaranteed that, you know, we're playing a Lord's final. So I think it's just looking forward to, the, to these kind of 10, 12 days and then and see where we're at after that. And Andrew, I feel rude not to have asked you already. Back at Crick Info, Indeed. UK editor... Indeed, for, for, and you still don't know when the uh, Royal uh, London One Day Internationals are. Indeed, yeah, <laughs> first first week in the job. I've, had, I've been spent spent the week doing inductions and all sorts, and completely forgot there's a match day. But um, I'll go and do my job, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's all, all good. Good to be back. Um, four four years four years uh, out of, out of the building, but uh, yeah, settling back in and uh, looking forward to getting stuck in this winter.
Wonderful. Well, as a plane flies over Lords, I'd like to thank you both for coming on today. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Pleasure. Great stuff. Well, many thanks for all those who've tuned in. We'll be back next month with more cricketing stories from Lords. So remember to follow us on Twitter. Our handle's at Homer Cricket. Be our friend on Facebook. And for all the latest news from Lords, just go to lords.org. See you soon.